0: If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. God wants to finish the story. And the very thing that we would love, he unfolds in himself all that would bring joy and life and peace to us.
1: Welcome to Keep the Main Thing, a podcast of sermons and messages from Pastor Leland Evenson. I'm Mark Evenson. In this sermon given in June 1987, Pastor Lee uses a play on words, substituting the great commission with the great omission. You will quickly discover why he did that at the beginning of his talk. His creative and playful use of omission versus commission was a subtle jab at our consciousness around mission work. We all know the call Jesus put on our lives to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I'm sure many of you could finish those verses found in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It came to be known as the Great Commission. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We can assume that Matthew 28 was the gospel lesson that Sunday in June. Although Peter gives the same account in Mark, that Jesus told the disciples to go into the world and preach the gospel, Mark 16 verses 15 and 16. This is one of many talks Pastor Lee gave on the importance of missions, part of his ongoing vision and passion for world missions. He uses a fun quote about chasing a rabbit that can never be caught, versus chasing and catching a skunk, suggesting what do we gain if we succeed at a task that is not worth the effort, versus a nobler, a more important mission that may never be fully accomplished. The message there is, yes, taking God's message out into the entire world seems like a very daunting and even seemingly impossible task. But even if we do not succeed in saving the whole world, Haven't we at least followed Jesus' command and pursued a life of witness that he has called us to? Pastor Lee has a great line in his meditation. The Lord hasn't called us to be successful. He has called us to be faithful. God wants us to ask the questions that begin with the word what, not why or how. Here's The Great Omission, June 14th, 1987.
0: There was a little girl who had said her prayers and she'd ask God for this, and she asked God for that and give me this and give me that and help me with this and help me with that and her whole grocery list, finally, when she got done, she heaved a big sigh of relief and said, "Now, God, what can I do for you? in our Church, we have a church year, and the first half of the year is what God has done for us. We start way back in Advent season, and uh, through Christmas and Epiphany and Lent and Easter and Pentecost, it's really all the focus is on what God has done for us. And so now we come to the second half of the church year. We begin the second half, and the the lessons and the texts and the challenges are kind of that kind of a response that if we really see God in the Mystery of the Trinity and all that He is and all that He's done, then our response should be, now God, what can I do for you? And the first thing He tells us is in this text that we have with us this morning, in this gospel, the text that says, Go. The title is wrong. It was supposed to be the great omission, but my efficient secretary thought that I had made a mistake. And so she added a C to it, uh, which is not very, I would think she'd know after all these years I can be more creative than that, but, uh, uh, but that's good. Because we know, you see, that it shouldn't be the great omission, it should be the great commission. But by our lives often, and by where our interests are, and where our treasures are, and often where our money is, and where we spend our time, we're really saying that it's the great omission. It's the great omission in our lives, and certainly it is today. We're losing ground, and more and more people are coming into this world than we're bringing into the Christian faith and into the Christian church. Someone has said the church does not have a mission. It is mission. It exists by mission as a fire, exists by burning. The Christian church must think only and always of mission. You see, we have a lot of come structures in our church. Come and see, come and study, come and read, come and pray, and all of these are needed. But what we need are more go structures in our church, built into the life and the ministry of every congregation, where we go out and we bring the gospel and the good news of Jesus beginning in our own backyard and then, as it says, to the end of the world. They came to worship the risen Christ. We need, before we can go, we need to see that he is risen. We need to have that experience in our own life that he is risen, that he is real, and that he comes to us. And our bodies are the, the veins and the arteries, and The one carry, the arteries carry our blood to the extremities of our body. And then the veins carry it back, and so the blood is cleansed. And so the blood is filled with oxygen again, so it can go out. That's meant to be the rhythm of the Christian life and the Christian church, of the coming together. But then there is also the blood that's to go to the end, the blood of his Love and his suffering and his salvation that's to go out to the end of the earth. And often we lose the rhythm and it becomes the great omission rather than the great commission. It's easy to change our focus and to become a country club instead of a lighthouse, a mission depot. The other night we were struggling with what we do in the fall in terms of space, <clears throat> where we put people. The short-range committee had an answer, but the answer in terms of that is $50,000 for something that would be for two or three years. And so as we waited on the Lord and tried to sense, it seemed that what we are to do is to, to come together and have two services back-to-back, and Sunday school at both services, so people can come to church in Sunday school or Sunday school church, which means some hardships and changes, and then after two years, that somehow we will have the structure that is needed to continue to carry on the work, and there will be some thought behind it, and be designed, and all of the things that maybe too quickly we've done before, rather than sitting back. And as we thought about that, my vision began to dim. I began to think, oh Lord, what we could do with over $200,000 that's now in our mission fund, going out this year, not to put bricks and mortar together in our church, but going around the world. And then the Lord began to show me was interesting, the timing he has, that this would be this text for this week, and that we would get a letter from Convicts this week, and a letter from Christopherson's this week, and a letter, or someone who comes here from Hungary's been showing a Jesus film, and someone, another one of our youth in Hungary who was sharing and through her folks, I heard something from there, and from here and there and all over, and Linda's being commissioned on this Sunday. The Lord was beginning to remind me the church is mission. Someone said, will we be able, even after two years, to do any building with our commitment to mission? The answer is very simple, only if the Lord does it, because there's no human way possible that that this could be done. Only if he wants us to. Sam Shoemaker, great Episcopalian who went all the way to China and wasn't even converted and realized when he went to China he didn't have anything to tell them and there became converted, became a great leader and pastor in the Episcopal Church, says the church exists by mission, so its success or failure, therefore, is not to be determined by the state of its buildings or the size of its membership, but solely by what it is doing to reach the untouched. I said, thank you, Lord, I'm getting the message. I see how easy that ministries and those we often see on TV, how you can get off and lose sight when, where there is no vision, we perish. We perish in a variety of programs and structures that all are to come structures and not to go. There's an old Kentucky mountaineer who Looking back upon his life, he was musing and philosophizing. <clears throat> said, you know, I'd rather chase a rabbit and not catch him than chase a skunk and catch him. His homely expression may have lacked sophistication, but his point was clear. <clears throat> what is gained if we succeed in a task that's not worth the effort? We may not catch that rabbit. I don't know. I don't know if we, you know, ever can come to the point where we can give 50% of our giving to missions or 10% of our membership is always on some mission, whether it's for two weeks or for four years or five years or whatever it is. But at least we're chasing the rabbit. What about your life? You see, your life is meant to be a mission. That's what you're here for. That's what you've been redeemed for. You're not here for those lower goals of simply trying to catch a skunk, whatever that may be. You're not here to simply get an office with two windows or a title on the door for that kind of recognition. You're not here to gather toys together. You are here to hear the word of Jesus. That is the word that says... All authority is given to me. Go. Go. Now, the danger is that our mission giving can be a substitute and not a symbol. There is a uh, ships, the Queen Mary some years ago, very nice, luxury liner, passenger ship that would go back and forth from here to Europe, and they had a very different foghorn. It was a foghorn that could be heard by ships that were a long ways away, but people who were on board weren't, weren't disturbed at all. If they were sleeping when they blew the foghorn, they didn't hear it. Too many Christians, you see, have that kind of idea in their life. They want the gospel to be heard to the ends of the earth, but somehow they don't want to be heard in their own backyard. And Jesus says, you begin in Jerusalem, then to Judea, then to the ends of the earth. So our mission giving is not to be that kind of substitute that we hide behind our own lack of boldness, our own willingness. It's to be a symbol of our lives that every person in this congregation who knows the reality of Jesus is on a mission. a mission. William Carey, who said, I men shoes to pay expenses, but my business is the kingdom of God. And each of us needs a sense that, that we are on a mission every day when we arrive, that we are being sent on a mission, whether it's to work where we work in the arena of that office or the factory or to the golf course to play golf or to the school to learn that somehow we are being sent to those places and to those arenas because he has said to us, Go! Now is it the great commission in your life or the great omission? Jesus said we are to live under his authority. And that's a great omission in many lives. I love to tell the story because I know it's true. I love to tell the story. It did so much for me. You love to tell the story because you know it's true. Because somehow the authority of Jesus is real in your life. That he is resurrected for you. That he lives for you. He lives with you. He lives through you. Only when we sense the authority of Jesus that he's done so much for me will it put any feet under me to send me on my way or to send my time or to my pocketbook or my energy or my effort. E. Stanley Jones says, The older I become, the fewer certainties I require. Miriam and I were talking about that the other day. What's important? Relationships, relationship to the Lord, and relationship to one another. The certainties of the gospel, as we see it in the Father who created us, and Jesus who redeemed us, and the Holy Spirit who ministers and empowers us through us. Those are the certainties—only certainties we really need for the little few seconds we're in this world. Myers, a great speaker on Lutheran Hour for many years, says, In all Christians, Christ is present. In some Christians, Christ is prominent. In tragically too few Christians, is Christ preeminent? Is it the great omission in your life? Who is the authority What guides and directs and drives you and motivates you? Is it simply making tents, mending shoes, or you see, that's simply the way by which you, the arena in which God has called you for your mission to be the Word become flesh. A few years ago, they had a campaign in the 1950s the theme was Tell Scotland. <clears throat> and uh, one pastor wrote in the headquarters, said we have our organization and our literature prepared and our schedule set and our promotion is on the way. We're ready to take part in Tell Scotland. But tell me, what are we to tell Scotland? That's too often the, lie, the message of the church. We've got the, the organization and we got the materials, and we got literature coming out our ears. We have ways of communicating through TV and video, but too often, you see, we forget what we are to tell the world. Are you chasing a rabbit? You may never convert that whole office to the Lord, but are you, have that vision, that whole class at school, that neighborhood, or is it the great omission? And so secondly, Jesus said, if you love to tell a story because you know it's true and it did so much for you, then go. We often hear Pastor Hank say, bring people to church. Advice is all right. But today, Jesus is saying, bring the church to people. Bring the church to people. For the reason many people don't want to darken the door is they think they understand and know. only as you are the Church, and where if you know Jesus and where you go, you are the Church. You are Jesus in the flesh. You are to bring the church to people. there, most of them are not going to come here. They're not going to invest time on a Sunday morning to come here, certainly with all the toys and things that can be done on a Sunday morning, but somehow, they can't avoid it if you bring the church to them. Henry Stanley, a great explorer, went to visit Livingston. He said, I had to get out of there before I became a Christian just to be in the presence of that man. I sense the power and the glory of something greater than he was. and We all know who it was. If the authority, of, to the extent we're under the authority of Jesus, there's a pressure in us not a guilt trip, on us, not a sense of I have to, but a sense that I want to. I can't help but speak, the disciples said, of what I have seen and heard. Sometimes uh, people will call us on the phone, and <clears throat> we maybe haven't heard from them for a while, or maybe uh, we wonder if they're at home or calling from the. This- That they come to the city and we say, where in the world are you? I say to you this morning, where in the world are you? Where is your ministry? Where is your calling? Where is your burden? One of our teachers this summer, rather than simply taking the whole summer off, is going downtown to the inner city and have some refugees. She's teaching them English. The word, the church goes there. And in, with, and under, the Lord will give her opportunities to share the gospel. Maybe it's starting a Bible study in the office or factory where you work. Maybe it's a burden for the prison. Maybe it's simply those in your neighborhood you invite in. But always, always, it's go. We live in a state of emergency as Christians hear that often if there's a fire or flood that it's a crisis and it's uh, there's helpless people and uh, who are in a path of destruction sin and lust and death is doing a number on our world we as christians should live in a sense of a state of of, state of emergency for they are going many many every day to a Christless eternity would have said Christians who fail to respond to human need anywhere are as guilty of heresy as those who deny any article of faith. I've seen that in my own life. I was really convicted as I read this. For I too have was drawn into a fortress The Lord has shown me my need to go. The growth group that I've been in helped to stretch me and began that vision to understand where my ministry is many times. Pastor Koch has helped to confirm that and to challenge me in terms of the whole ecclesiastical machinery and the politics in and outside of the church that somehow we are called to go. like what Richard Lovelace says in a book, <coughs> Renewal as a Way of Life. He says, Christians who oppose ecumenism because of their devotion to preserving the purity of one or another theological tradition must turn their minds off when they read 1 Corinthians 1, 10-13, and the whole of 1 Corinthians 3. It's unfortunate that the churches which are most deeply grounded in Scripture and thus have the most help to give to other ministries, are often those that draw back from ecumenical involvement in a given area. This is not simply ironic, it is strategic, it's a strategic coup of the devil. It hit me between the eyes. And simply confirm what I see is our vision for this congregation. That we are to go into the world, go into the structures in society and in the structures of the church and to be involved Certainly not simply to have a fortress mentality that we hide behind our good sense of authority of the Word and the grace and the love and the power of the Spirit. Are you chasing a rabbit? Is your life challenging so you wonder day by day for... The Lord said, finally, I'll be with you. And that's the third great omission that we often have. We forget, we think we're on our own. And he said, no. He told us at the end of each of the Gospels and the beginning of Acts, that he'd be with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like the story of the new bride who was so afraid that when she got married and of cooking and all the things that were involved in that. And after a few months, someone asked her, well, are you still worried? No, she says, now I realize how much work the fire does. How much the fire does. How much the Holy Spirit does. i amazed how little we often have to do simply to sow, to tell the story as we heard in that psalm. To sow the seed. It's up to the Holy Spirit to bring forth the increase and the harvest. It's not up to us. 1983, there was a fire that broke out in Tijuana, Mexico. Before it was finished, it had destroyed eight large businesses. Just the day before the fire, the city firemen had gone to San Diego to be instructed on the latest firefighting techniques and how to control and contain a fire. But they were helpless. For there wasn't any water you can have the finest techniques in a church you can be organized you can have all kinds of seminars on how to's till are coming out your years. you can have committees and all of the rest but unless you have the water of the Holy Spirit nothing significantly is done I hope you see your life is a mission. That you're not here to frighten little mice under a chair. To simply hit your name on a door or a window in the corner of a corporate office. Or have your name in life. For we're here such a short time. And he says, your life, if you know me, is a mission whether it's a calling right down here in the cities, or Japan, or Madagascar, or Ecuador, or Nepal, or wherever. I hope you have the spirit of two young men. And I close with this story. There were two Moravians. There was an island down by Australia, owned by a huge plantation man, slavery was in vogue, and he had all kinds hundreds of slaves and he wouldn't let any missionaries on the island to share the gospel with them so these two young Moravians got the idea and they found out that yes if they would come and become slaves on that island that they could come there and they could do all the sharing they wanted as long as they would be his slaves and so they sold themselves as slaves to go to that island and even had to furnish their own money but the money they got for being selling themselves to furnish passage. And as they were getting ready to go, their friends and relatives gathered in England to, to see them off on this ship. And some were crying and many were just confused about these guys who they knew they, they would never see again, thinking that they were, lost their marbles. They were out of their heads selling themselves in this way to that kind of slavery. And so as the ship pulled away, the two young Moravians stood arm in arm and bought the time they could barely see each other or even hear each other. One of the Moravians shouted out to those on shore, May the Lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Last words they ever heard. That's the kind of spirit we need today. A willingness... Not to look for cushions and comfort, but a willingness to take up a cross, to make your life count. Lay up treasures in heaven, the only treasures I know of are people. Investing in people with our love, and with our witness, and with who we are. We sang that song. I didn't even know Jerry picked that out about the lamb. The joys that was before me endured the cross for all people. He loved the world. Is it the Great Commission? That would motivate you day by day. You have a burden on the inside. Do you love to tell the story because he's done so much for you? You can chase rabbits. It's a challenge. You probably, in one way, will never catch. You will never convert the whole world. But the Lord hasn't called us to be successful. He's called us to be faithful. May it not be the great omission, but the great commission. Lord, forgive us <clears throat> when we lose our vision and we think we're here to to grease our own skids, to feather our own beds, to live for ourselves. For Paul said, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. He sold himself into slavery. Will there be that willingness to give ourselves to you that we can hear you say go and know you go with us. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Is it the great commission in your life or the great omission? After all that Jesus has done for us in our lives, isn't it time, isn't it always time to ask, hey God, what can we do for you? There are so many ways for us to support the spreading of the good news. We need to be ever mindful of ways we can use our talents, time and resources to be part of the great commission and not be accused of the great omission. We've committed Matthew 28:18 to memory. Now let's put it into practice. Jesus's brother James tells us, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, is like a person who looks at his natural face in the mirror for once they have looked at themselves and gone away they have immediately forgotten what kind of person they were but the one who looks intently at the perfect law and abides by it not having become a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer will be blessed until next time keep the main thing the main thing thank you